Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today, we are opening up the Salt and Light Hope Chest and pulling out some of our favorite conversations from the winter of 2017. We start by speaking with Sister Matilda O'Mara and Vanessa Nicholas Schmidt about their book, Portraits of Faith, and about their young adult ministry, Faith Connections, in Toronto. And then we reconnect with singer-songwriter Josh Blakesley, who has a new mass, Mass of Restoration. In our second half hour, author Tom Hoops tells us how we can figure out what Pope Francis really said, and we end the show by speaking with the frontman of the Catholic rock group The Thirsting, Daniel Oberreuter. Remember to visit us at saltandlighttv.org radio and to comment on what you hear or to ask any questions, just look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook or Twitter. We begin now with Portraits of Faith. I'm not surprised when I hear comments about how young people are not in church, but I get to go to a lot of Catholic parishes all over, and that is certainly not my experience. The Catholic Church is full of young people and young families. There's a lovely book now that offers to us the experiences from over a dozen young Canadian Catholics who embrace the faith and are living it today. Portraits of Faith was compiled by Sisters sister of St. Joseph MacTilde O'Mara and Vanessa Nicholas Schmidt, who've been working with young adults through the ministry of the Sisters of St. Joseph in Toronto called Faith Connections. And to tell us more, I'm very happy to welcome Sister MacTilde O'Mara and Vanessa Nicholas Schmidt to the Salt and Light Hour. Wel- welcome both of you to the program. Thank you, Pedro. So Thank good. And I've known both of these ladies for a long time, so it's very fun to have you here in the Salt and Light Hour studio with us. Um, sister... Tell me, why did you want to put this book together? Well, the initiative came from Joe Sinisak of Novalis. Right, he's the publisher? Yes, and he wanted to um, counteract the feelings of distress that some older Christians experience in um, thinking that maybe young people aren't still practicing the faith. Okay. And so we agreed to do it, and we did it. (laughs) <laughs> so was it was it the idea that to to actually do what you ended up with compile stories of young Catholics? Yes, what he asked us to do was to gather fifteen essays by a variety right. of young men and women, single, married, religious, um, and to to put together their essays in uh, uh, in a book. Right. And Vanessa, how difficult was it, or how easy was it, to find these these stories? We found it really quite easy um, because we are so blessed to work with young people who are engaging their faith on a number of levels at different stages of the journey. Sister McTilde is a retired classic professor and so she knew many students throughout the years but we also know many young adults at Faith Connections so we reached out to our network to ask young adults to write essays some of them are were really excited and said yes with joy right away right and others said "Ooh, I don't know if I'm holy enough to write an essay like that and it took some gentle coaxing to convince them that yes we did want to hear their stories well, as well yeah and you're, you're you call them essays and I guess they're essays but I mean really it's like it's, it's 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 a little story it's like this is something about it's a very personal story and I think that can be very I guess, dangerous, <laughs> well, <laughs> intimate for it, some people. That's what Joe Sinisak sees it as a, 
uh, effective vehicle for evangelization right, when people stories. tell their genuine experience of God. Okay, you've both, I mean, obviously we've been, we mentioned Faith Connections, and Vanessa, you mentioned Faith Connections again. So tell me a little bit about Faith Connections before we move on. So Faith Connections is a ministry of the Sisters Essentials of Toronto, part of Font Bond Ministries. Mm -hmm. And it was founded in 2005. The sisters, as they were moving out of institutional ministries in the schools and hospitals, were moving back to their grassroots ministries. And so as they were doing some praying and reflecting on that, they identified young adults, people in their 20s and 30s, as a population in spiritual need. Uh And so that's where the vision for Faith Connections came from. It's a ministry that outreaches to 18 to 39 year olds to support them on their faith journey, both by connecting them with resources and by offering programming for them. So what kinds of programs do you do? Our most popular program is Theology on Tap. That's yeah. not our baby. It, it comes out of the Archdiocese of Chicago. Yeah. Um, but we gather in pubs for speakers on faith and justice issues. The sisters buy the wings and pizza and the young adults buy their own drinks. Yes. But we also have other programmings like Hike and Prayer, mm-hmm. Christ and Culture, Catholic Speed Dating Nights. Right. Um, all sorts of fun things. Right. And do you get to, I mean, because I've been to some of your events, Theology on Tap being one of them. And uh, do you, I don't get it. I mean, other than meeting other young adults that maybe share the same faith, I mean, that's sort of the extent of my participation. But in your experience, do you create relationships with these young adults, sister? We do, both at those wider meetings, but we have more um, smaller groups too. We've, okay. we've worked through Alpha and we okay. the um, so experience alpha. of hike and prayer mm-hmm. we get uh, you know 15 20 30 young people so it's not as large and the consistency of attending means that we get to know some better than others right we run retreats too okay at like the lenten listening which is individually directed retreats for uh, people in this age group and again we get 25 or so um, participants each year having spiritual direction and that's been a very good experience for many of them. So you have a lot of experience with this particular age group. What would you say, Sister, um, draws young people to the church or young adults to the church? Well, I hope that we can have an opportunity to ask them directly that question because we're looking forward to the synod on the right. uh, vocation and discernment yes. and youth. And I think that I'd like young people to talk themselves about what it is they're looking for. But one of the things I see is that many of them are going through many transitions, um, leaving their home family, their home parish, where often going to Mass on Sundays is much a social event as it is a religious event. Right. And when they come away from that, to the big city, they can feel very lonely. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed in one parish where some of the young people are ushers, they invite the young people whom they see coming alone yeah. to come afterwards for coffee with them right. and link them with us and with their own um, movie nights or whatever. Yeah. And so I think it's it's the community aspect is what they need. Right. And and you're right. I mean, that is that is an age group, at least in my experience, that that's where there's not usually something available for, for people in the parishes. And that's why we got into it. Yeah. Okay. Vanessa, what would you say 
if a faith leader was here, if the Pope was here, if you went to the synod, so uh, we we're open. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the synod. So this is the next synod. It's going to be next. 2018. 2018 October um, and as sister mentioned the, the, the topic will be uh, vocations but also youth and discernment discernment for vocations for youth but not just that but also youth <laughs> this is it's not as complicated as I just explained <laughs> it um, so if you were there what would you say Vanessa that faith leaders pastors can do to engage and inspire young adults as sister McTill said I think the first step is in being with young adults is listening, asking them what they're looking for. Because in our experience, we've had the opportunity to speak at different conferences and such. Mm -hmm. What we hear from people at those conferences is that the need of young adults is so different in different places. You know, here in the GTA, in a large urban center, the needs, maybe you feel isolated in the busyness, you know, so maybe the need is to make personal relationships. But if you're out in the country and you have to drive, you know, an hour to get to, and you know, you're maybe not going to draw a hundred people to theology on tap. Yeah, no, that's my so problem. What are what are the needs of young people in different areas? And we need to be asking young adults themselves. And so the way to do that is to start to reach out. You meet one young adult, and you ask them to introduce you to ten other young adults, and then you try and talk to the parents whose young adults are no longer going to church, and also be meeting them for coffee because we need to be hearing both from those we find in the pews. But we also need to hear from those who self-identify as Catholic, uh-huh. but are no longer in the peace. Right, that's true. There's a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Um, who would you say, Sister, that this book is for? Because, I mean, it's lovely to read these stories. Um, maybe they can inspire. But, I mean, is it a book for someone like me that I'm already involved in the church? Is it a book for everybody? Is it for other young people? Who's this book for? Well, you should definitely read it if you haven't yet. Oh, I have. Okay. <laughs> um, we think it it's... I have found that it's been warmly received, and it's been received not only by young people for whom it was partly it was written for them, okay. and it was written as a means, too, of consolidating the faith of the writers, because very often when people try to communicate the faith, they become stronger in it themselves. Right. So that's aspect... Vanessa, maybe you'd tell uh, Pedro about the experience of the older people that read. So um, we were blessed at our book launch that many people came and we heard from people after that book launch about reading it. And one woman who's a senior said to me, I walked into the sitting room one afternoon and found my husband stretched out on the couch reading your book with tears running down his face. And she said, I didn't. I just walked back out to leave him in privacy, but I wondered which essay had touched him so oh, deeply. Wow! Um, and so we think that because even Sister Matilda and I, we know many of the young adults that we know all of them, mm-hmm. and so we had a sense of their stories. But as we read their stories for the first time, we were very touched as well because they share so intimately and personally. Mm-hmm in their stories and we learned things about them that we didn't know and I think that that's the experience of the reader as a collection of essays we see a a breadth of experiences right they're so different each story is so different but the one thing that ties them together is they're all finding God in their own context yes and it's good because you do like you said you have you know maybe a young person that's single maybe a a young I think there's a couple Mm -hmm. there's people who are discerning religious life and so there's a little bit for everybody I'm I'm purposely not asking you to share any of the stories because I want people to go and get the book and they could read it themselves um uh, so we're going to leave it there. But it has been so good to have you finally. I know Sister and I have been talking about 
um, getting you on the show to talk about the book for several months now. Um, so I'm glad that you could finally come and that, uh, Vanessa, I understand that you're leaving Faith Connections, but you're moving, you're still with the Sisters of St. Joseph, but you're moving on to something else. So thank you for the years of service, more than 10, I understand, and uh, more more work to be done in your in, in the n- this next step of your life. Thank you, Pedro. And if people want the book, they can visit our website at www.faithconnections.ca and go to the spiritual tool section under books. Absolutely. So... Thank you. Sister McTilda O'Mara, she's a sister of St. Joseph, and she's the ministry director for Faith Connections, which is a young adult Catholic ministry sponsored by the Sisters of St. Joseph in Toronto, and Vanessa Nicholas-Schmidt, she was the program director for Faith Connections for over a decade. Together they collected and edited the stories that comprise portraits of faith, and you can learn more about Faith Connections at that website, faithconnections.ca, and the book Portraits of Faith is published by Novalis. So thank you to Joe Sinisak, the publisher. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Josh Blakesley, with Home Again from his album Even in This. Lord, I hear you gently calling. You say, come, be close to me. Lord, I'm here now, heart surrendered. I know you are all I need. Oh, your love takes me in. Oh, your love takes me in. Oh, your love takes me in. I am home again.
That was the Josh Blakesley band with Home Again from their album, Even In This. Now, last time Josh Blakesley was on our program, he had just released his Even In This album. It was his fifth album. Now Josh has released a new mass setting, Massive Restoration, that he wrote in collaboration with his guitar player, Gray McCullough. Their goal was to pay homage to the hymns of the past and at the same time, the culture of modern worship. And to tell us more, I'm very happy that uh, we're now joined by Josh Blakesley. Josh, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Uh, thanks for having me, Deacon Pedro. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you. So, um, pay. I, I, I'm going to pick on this because pay homage to the hymns of the past and the culture of modern worship. What, what do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, well, so we do a lot of music that is uh, it's contemporary in nature. I mean, we. Uh, I mean, we've. We play, I would say, 90% of the music that we do is in churches. Um, and it, it, you know, I travel with a band. There's four of us all together. And, yeah. you know, it's bass, drums, electric guitar, acoustic guitar. And so we yeah. we have a more contemporary vibe when we play, you know. But in writing mass parts, we wanted to keep in mind the history of the church, the traditions of the church, what congregations have been used to singing for uh, I mean, for years and years, all the way back, yeah. you know, 2000 years even. Yeah. And so, um, and so we went back and looked at the, the way that, uh, Mozart and Bach and, and some classical composers okay. used motifs wow. yeah. to, uh, to, to represent choruses or refrains, because we don't have that in, in liturgical music. There's not yes. a chorus like you would hear on a pop song or whatever. And yes. so, yeah, so that's kind of what we tried to do with this uh, with this setting. Yeah. Okay, good. Because my next question was going to be how how do you do that? So you so you can you give an example? So you mean like there's like a musical melody that is used over and over? This is for people who might be don't know what a motif is. So is that what you mean? Yeah. The little melody that, that yeah, you yeah, that's exactly right. I yeah. mean, for the Gloria, sometimes people use a refrain. You know, they'll go back to Glory, God in the highest. But yes, um, liturgically, but we that's didn't not, want yeah. it. So for time, yeah, and 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 to be to go straight through verbatim, we wanted to be able to sing that straight through. Um, and so to do that without a refrain, it presents a little bit of a problem in yes. terms of what people are used to hearing, you know, in, in modern music. And so the way that we tried to remedy that was by using a same melodic theme, you know. So we'll repeat that same melody, although the words are different. Right. And it kind of almost acts as a refrain to the ear, you know. Right. It does. And so we did that even throughout different mass parts, you know, the Kyrie and the Lamb of God and the, you know, there's, there's different, um, different themes and, and right. melodies that we use throughout. Throughout. Uh, so, so a melody, so a melody that you use in the Gloria might, might be very similar or the same melody that you use in the Holy Holy, for example, so that they're creating. That's a, right. Right. Now it's interesting because I, I always thought of the mass, I mean, the mass is a soundtrack, right? So if you listen to a soundtrack of a film or even a musical, they do the same thing. You know, you listen to Sondheim yeah. and he's he's using the same motif or the same melody or the th- same musical theme. Yeah. So you're looking at the right. mass as if it was, I mean, a soundtrack, really. Does that make right. sense? Right, yeah. yeah, soundtrack for the liturgy. Yeah, yeah a soundtrack for the liturgy, yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, do you think that now t- to 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 kind of the other part of, of that statement that, the, that you're also paying homage to the culture of modern worship, What what is that? What does that bring to the liturgy? Yeah, well, I mean, these these particular settings are we did we decided to do an acoustic uh, uh, an acoustic setting for this recording, 
But when we do this in mass every Sunday, we use drums, we use electric guitar, okay. we use bass, we use uh, piano, yeah. we use acoustic guitar, we mm-hmm. have singers. And so, and you know, in that sense, it brings a more contemporary feel to to the way that we play them. And, and they were kind of written in that, uh, and hopefully we'll eventually do a recording that that incorporates that whole thing so that, you know, listeners can hear what it's, what it's like with all of those, all of that instrumentation and strings included and all of that, you know? Right. Um, was yeah. It, and, and really to try to speak to a, to a more modern group of people, you know, right. Was it, imp- uh, and what people are used to hearing. Was it important to you to try to, I remember, I think once I was at a Marty Haugen liturgical music workshop and he was saying that, yeah. you know, I mean, you have music groups that are, just guitar or just one guitar player that can only play three chords and then you have other music groups that you have the piano and others are a full band others is just organ was it were you kind of sensitive to the fact that some that this mass could be done with different instrumental settings does it work with organ does it work with i mean it works with guitar and and piano we know it does yeah yeah it does actually i was just uh just last week started recording organ uh organ parts for it to you know to try to translate all of this to organ for you know i mean some people hear the recordings and they go oh that's great for guitar but i don't really hear that for organ yeah yeah yeah. so i want to try to record it that way so that people can hear uh, the different the different ways it can be uh, translated to people, but th- these sessions we actually were thinking, okay, there there is a just a gob of of guitar play, acoustic guitar players who go out every summer to summer camps across the country and um, and they're doing work camps and they're doing summer camps and they're doing music for all of these different conferences and events and it's just one guy with his acoustic guitar or one one girl with her acoustic guitar and they're trying so hard to find a mass setting that translates and uh and so that's why we wanted to do this acoustic just to let people know here's an option this is for you for you know like if you've got just an acoustic guitar you can do this mass part yeah no that that's very good and i I think that's one of the things i like i like about it that it's 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 meant to be used and people can use it um why the title why massive restoration yeah well the the parish that gray and i um gray is a a co-writer on on the mass parts and and he and i are um, we are uh, associate music directors at Our Lady of Prompt Sucker Parish in Alexandria, Louisiana. And so okay. uh, we say Prompt Sucker. It's actually French. It's supposed to be Prompt Secours. <laughs> okay, okay. And we, <laughs> and we have terribly, we've ruined it terribly. I don't know, over the years, I don't know how that happened. But anyway, yeah. um, that we didn't want to, we felt like it would be difficult for people to say Mass of Our Lady of Prompt Sucker or Our Lady of Prompt Secours. <laughs> yes, and already yes, there's confusion, like, okay, well, do we pronounce it with French or do we have, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, so then we set out to start to try to find the, the right, uh, the right name for it. And it was, that we wrote these during the times where the mass, the text was changing for the mass parts and, right. um, and there was a lot of talk of renewal and bringing these this new text into the church because we wanted to we wanted to enliven the liturgy a little bit and get closer to the original Latin. But we we wanted there was there was talk about change and and renewal and and so restoration kind of fit in with that. I see. Um, yeah. And in the same way, yeah, there was there was some there was some kind of interesting things going on too in, in our own community and. Uh, some loss of life even that was going on and, and a lot of people were in need of healing and, and revival during that time and so it just spoke to our community I think too like yeah. this is a 
this these hopefully these will bring some healing and restoration to that's, that's to the good. listener. Yeah. No, and that's good too that it feels that you're you're making it sound like it's not the Josh Blakesley mass, but it's it's the really the mass of your parish of your community. That's right. That's why we wrote it. We really yeah. did. We wanted to make it an offering to the to the parish and um, something singable for them when those mass parts were coming out and yeah. the changes were were happening. We wanted to. We wanted to make something singable so people it would be easy for people to make that change. Yeah, well, that's yeah. good. Um, I know that you're going to be in Canada in the next couple months. Anything else coming down the pipes? Are you working on any new recordings? Or uh, We are always writing for the next, uh, yeah. the next project. Um, so hoping for 2018 on the, on the next project. Okay, and, good. Um, yeah, we'll be, we're, we'll be in Milwaukee and, uh, ne- not this weekend, but next and, uh, and then New York the weekend. Yeah. You're that. all over and, the place. Uh, yeah. So, actually, so, yeah, I actually, actually for our listeners, because we have listeners all over, I mean, if you're, if you like the Josh Blakesley band, he's going to be in the, between now and October, he's Louisiana, Wisconsin, New York, New Jersey, Texas, Missouri, Florida, North Carolina. He's going to be at Steubenville in Toronto. And other Ontario cities, Napanee, Brockville, Kingston, Ontario. So, uh, the, uh, lots, lots happening there. All you need to do is go to Josh's website, uh, joshblakesleyband.com, and you can find out where they're going to be. Um, you didn't bite. I said, any? Are you working on any new projects? And you actually told me that you're working on a new project, but you didn't tell me anything about it. So I'm assuming that it's <laughs> top secret. <laughs> <laughs> just, just just writing yeah just writing just writing okay okay we'll just have to keep our uh, uh, uh have to keep bugging you to see if uh, we can uh, find out more about that but when it comes out I'm looking forward right. to uh, to hearing it Josh great to awesome. have you on the show great to talk to you um, hopefully I'll get to see you when you're in town in July or June yeah. whenever that is and uh, thanks for doing what you do in fact I think that my my uh, our youth group at the church is going to start using massive restoration as well so it's oh, uh, that's very great. cool very cool that's good to hear all right, thank you very much. Blessings, you Pedro. too, thank my friend. You so much. All right. All right. Bye. You can learn more about Josh Blakesley and the Josh Blakesley Band and purchase his music at their website. As I said, joshblakesleyband.com. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. The Massive Restoration is published by Oregon Catholic Press, and you can get it there as well, as well as sheet music, so you can play it at church at ocp.org. Here now is the Josh Blakesley Band with Revive Us from their album, even in this.
We're listening to the Josh Blakesley Band with Revive Us from their album Even In This. This is a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, I cannot begin to tell you the number of times that people in my parish come to me complaining about something that the Pope said, or, or they're excited that the Pope finally said something about something that's important to them. More often than not, I'm pretty sure that the Pope never said anything remotely close to what that person claims was said. So I was very interested when I read an article in the Catholic Digest titled Defend Pope Francis by Tom Hoops. And I found out that Tom Hoops had written a book, a whole book on this topic. And so I am very, very happy to welcome Tom Hoops to the Salt and Light Hour to talk to us about what Pope Francis really said. Tom, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Great to be here. Thank you. So why did you feel that it was important to write this book? Well, we have a blessing in Pope Francis in that we have a pope who speaks off the cuff. Uh, He kind of speaks his mind. That's his great charm. He says what he wants to say. Uh, That's also, you know, everybody's greatest weakness is their greatest strength, and everybody's greatest strength is their greatest weakness. Yeah. So his casual sort of conversational manner is a great thing for the church. It also creates new problems, and that's that uh, he says things that sometimes are misinterpreted and then misreported by the media. Yeah. So we'll hear them third hand, and they'll be totally wrong. Sometimes he says things that, in a certain context, that makes them make sense. Where out of that context, they don't make sense. And sometimes he says uh, part of something somewhere and part of something somewhere else. So he presents a, a, a great opportunity for Catholics, but also a, a challenge to try to find out, as the book title says, what Pope Francis yeah. really said. Yeah, let me stop you there for a second, because I, I have two questions now that I thought. Do you think, because I've had people tell me that he's a great communicator, and also people tell me that he's not a great communicator for those reasons that you explained. So what, what, what is your opinion? Well, okay, in the United States, we recently had this election between somebody who's yes. very scripted and by the book and somebody who's very, very free and open with his opinions. And I think that the, you know, the, the President Trump is obviously a very problematic figure from any number of perspectives, particularly from a Catholic perspective. Yes. But he definitely has been able to connect with people because he speaks his mind freely. Right. Pope Francis speaks his mind freely, and that is a little bit problematic for us. We're used to uh, popes who are very careful in what they say, and particularly, we're used to university professor popes. If yes. you stop and think about it, yes. we have Pope John Paul II, who spent, uh, who had a career in academia before he entered church service. Yeah. We also had uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, who became Pope Benedict XVI and had a career in academia, uh, where he was a university lecturer before he was uh, pope. Mm-hmm. And these, uh, being in the university academic environment, trains your brain to say only the precise thing that you need to say, and also to give people all the nuance and qualifications that they need whenever you say anything. Right. So we got a little bit spoiled by these popes who have this ability to communicate, which comes from academia, Yeah. Uh, and so that when we have a regular guy as a pope, if you want to put it that way, I mean, uh, yes. anybody who's a cardinal is not exactly a regular guy, but when we have uh, Pope Francis, and he says things, and he's not as careful, and not as qualified and not as uh, precise, 
as these university professor popes, uh, then we can easily uh, get the wrong story from the media or mm-hmm. get the right story out of context. Now, do you think that there's also the the fact that, and maybe this is because of Pope Francis' style, that he is reported more in the secular media? Um, oh, well, yeah, exactly. And that, again, is, you know, greatest strength is your greatest weakness. The greatest strength is that we hear about him all the time. Yeah. Greatest weakness is that we hear about him all the time. Yeah, exactly. Because he, uh, everything he says, every move he makes seems to be newsworthy. And actually, so people get disturbed by some of the things that Pope Francis has said. What they don't realize is that these are exactly the same things yeah. in many cases that yeah. Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict said. Right. But we just never heard about them because exactly. they weren't covered wall to wall like Pope Francis. And is. because maybe they, as you said, they didn't say it. I mean, you read, I don't know, anything by John Paul II, and it's like the very precise language and and the, a sentence that is the whole paragraph. Because there's no way you can misinterpret it. And then Francis just kind of summarizes the whole thing in a off the cuff sentence that's right. very and not only off yeah. the cuff, but he speaks very colorfully and yes. very memorable. And he's, yes. he's, his phrasing is very to the point. Right. And so it kind of, it, it's very media friendly. So we it end is. up hearing a lot more of these comments. These sound bites, and we yeah. hear them out of context and we get the wrong impression. And uh, we need to stop for a moment and do three things. Is what I, I like to give these three things you need to do when you hear a yeah, yeah, Pope yeah. Francis quote that disturbs you. One is to find out what he really said. Exactly. And the book, what Pope Francis really said, is helpful from this perspective, but mm-hmm. also there's websites, the Vatican website and uh, Catholic uh, News Agency and others. Yes. Um, secondly, you need to find out if Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict said, the, said the same actually thing. the same thing. So if you're concerned about something that they said about... Well, something Pope Francis said about small-minded rules, you can find out that Pope Benedict said essentially the same thing. If you're right. worried about... The global warming stance that Pope Francis takes, you can find out that John Paul II and Benedict had exactly, exactly. the same stance. Uh, and then the third thing you need to do is look at the Gospels. Uh-huh. Pope Francis is uh, so harsh about sins about money, and sometimes a little bit, uh, he seems to be a little bit, a bit more easygoing about sexual sins. Mm-hmm. You look at how Jesus treated prostitutes on the one hand, right. and tax collectors, yes. and then on the other hand, how harsh he was about, uh, you know, a rich man will never enter the kingdom of heaven, and etc. And you'll find that sometimes what's bothering you about Pope Francis is something that Je- should be bothering you about Jesus, and it shouldn't be bothering you at all, because it's Jesus right. who said it. Right, exactly. Now, um, w- what would be an example, uh, maybe one of your more uh, prominent examples of this chronic misquoting of Pope Francis. Well, the Pope, go, uh, the book goes through so many examples yes. of this. There's the, you know, who am I to judge example, yes. which depending on where you stood in your understanding of the Church's teaching on homosexuality, if you look at the full quote that Pope Francis really said, you either were untroubled by it, because it's basically a paraphrase of the yes. Catechism, yes. or you didn't understand where the Church stood, and you thought that he was saying something utterly different from what he was actually saying. Uh, that's a classic. There's just been example yeah, after yeah, yeah. example, and unfortunately, there's too many examples to bring up the whole long list. No, uh, but that's why the book is helpful. Yeah, no, and that but that's a good example because I think that's the one. I mean, the Pope says one thing, and the headline in the newspapers the next day is, Pope says that it's okay to be gay or something ridiculous that it has. Well, and he does. It is okay to be gay. I mean, no, he says but that homosexual action. But that's not what he okay. said. But but right. what I mean is that that's not what he said. I mean he. Um, you need to go and figure out what exactly did he said, 
what yeah, he say, what the context was, was gift who he was he, talking to. He, he he distinguished two different uh, groups. He, he distinguished uh, homosexual activists who want to change laws in order to allow for more homosexual activity, and the gay lobby is what he called it, on yes. the one hand. So he, activism on the one hand, and homosexual people who are struggling with this, but also are uh, you know following the Lord, and they want to follow uh, God, and they want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, he said, who am I to judge in the second case? Yes. So it was really a gift because it very helpfully parsed the whole situation that you face in terms of these activist issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so you, you should always find out who he was speaking to and why. So in that he was speaking to uh, a, a reporter on an airplane, but he was talking about whether or not there were activist groups in mm-hmm. the Vatican. Mm-hmm. He wasn't at the talking about... Uh, the, the whole ethical situation right, of, exactly. uh, of sexuality exactly. at the moment. Now, what do you what do you say to people who disagree or don't like what the Pope says, whether the Pope really said it or not? Well, the book is called Words. Uh, the subhead of the book is called Words of Comfort and Challenge. Yes, and I think you can find both in this Pope. You can find words of great, great comfort where he he gives faith a chance. He says. You know, go meet people and tell them about Jesus, and and the more people. He even says in in uh, his uh, first apostolic letter uh, that we should be bringing up Jesus in conversations with strangers at work, mm-hmm. at the ballpark, mm-hmm. uh, and that we should work prayer into that conversation if possible. So he's th- those are words of comfort. He's very much a pope who's in line with John Paul II and Benedict. And then there's also words of challenge. He'll say things that will rattle our cage and will be un, uh, unexpected right. and something that we're uncomfortable with. And in that case, what you need to do is sit and listen at the feet of the Pope and trying to figure out what exactly he's saying, how it can better your life, how it can challenge a misconception you may have in your life. And if you end up talking with him on something that falls short of faith and morals, that's okay. You don't have to agree with every single thing that the Pope says. But right. you should listen respectfully to what the Pope says and uh, refrain from tearing him down in public because that does no good for the Church and it does no good for our friends if we start tearing down the Pope in public. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we're going to leave it there, Tom. Um, but thank you so much. I, I love the book. I, I've been passing it on to a whole bunch of people because uh, everybody seems to be concerned about what the Pope says, whether they agree or disagree. And as you said, it uh, um, we need to we need to stand behind the Pope. Um, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of uh, what you know and what you do with us today. Great. Thank you very much. Tom Hoops is the former editor of the National Catholic Register. He's also the writer-in-residence and vice president of college relations at Benedictine College, where he teaches in the journalism and mass communication department. His latest book, What Pope Francis Really Said, Words of Comfort and Challenge, is published by Servant Books. You can learn more at franciscanmedia.org. You can also, especially if you're in Canada, you can buy that book through Amazon. And here now is our featured band of the week, The Thirsting, with their song Once Is a Lifetime from their new album Universal Youth. Yeah. 
that was The Thirsting with their song Once is a Lifetime from their new album Universal Youth. The Thirsting is a Catholic rock band from Portland, Oregon. On their website, it says that they proclaim the truths of the Catholic faith from confession and the Eucharist to the Trinity and Mary. They basically use three words, rosary, Eucharist, and Catholic Church. I guess that's four words to describe their mission. But as you can see from the music that we've been listening to, it's not what you would call devotional or religious music. I mean, they're a rock band. And to tell us more, I am very happy to welcome band leader Daniel Oberreuter to our program. Daniel, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes, good to have you. And I'm always excited to meet new groups, new bands. Can you tell me a little bit about how the band got started? Well, I, I started the band um, back in the mid-2000s. I just really saw a need for um, good Catholic music with lyrics that were solidly Catholic, you know, lyrics that weren't watered down in any way. Um, and so I, I formed the band and uh, been going ever since. Did you Did you feel... I mean, obviously you were Catholic, you were, you know, practicing your faith, um, and you were already doing music. Did you feel that there was a need for that that kind of music? I mean, that you would call Catholic? Oh, yeah. yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, our, our Protestant brothers and sisters, they do a, a very good job at uh, doing, making music that is relevant to, you know, youth and young adults in all ages, that that is a contemporary that relates to our culture, especially right. here in America, which is saturated with music. Yeah. And so um, why not have a Catholic band that does that? But a Catholic band that's not afraid to, to speak boldly about the truth, a Catholic band that doesn't water down the lyrics. Right. You know? See, but see, I would not... not to be Catholic. It's interesting because I would not describe your sound or your, your if I can say, the style. It's not praise and worship. I mean, it's not like what, what some of these praise and worship Protestant groups are doing. I mean, this is like, like rock. I mean, you're doing, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's not particularly liturgical. I mean, I don't know if any of your music is intended to be done in liturgy or in, in worship, but is it? Is that what your intent was? Or is it more no, to communicate? No, I would 90% of it is not in yeah. for the liturgy. I got a couple songs that sound great at Mass, but um, yeah. most of it, no. <laughs> no, exactly, right? So the purpose is a different, very different purpose. Right, right. This um, is... Um, I, I kind of joke around. It's kind of like if REM, U2, and Green Day, yeah, they all had a massive conversion to the Catholic Church, you know, or Paramore, you know, they all got became Catholic and they got together. Those are my influences. This would be the kind of music, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, were you were you always religious? Were you always in the in the church, or or did you go through a phase of of uh, kind of rejecting some of it, or a conversion experience, or anything like that? Well, I grew up Catholic. Um, I don't. I never really rejected the faith. There's definitely a time in my life when I was in high school where I was just trying to figure things out and wading through things, and it wasn't formed very well. And um, I had never gone to confession, and, and so um, it wasn't until I was 16 that I went to my first confession, and that really changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and just I, I, my my the priest told me that my penance was to pray the rosary every day. And oh wow! So I began to do that. I'm <laughs> still trying. It's well, that's well. Three kids, but we, we try to do it every day. <laughs> Good for you. Um, yeah, I mean, clearly you have a devotion to the rosary. I was going to ask you because that's the three words. I mean, sorry. Yet, yet you know, the rosary is. It seems to be very important in what you're doing. You know, follow Jesus Christ through Mary, the rosary, the Eucharist, and the Catholic Church. Um, is that where that comes from? From that experience that you had with the rosary? Oh, 
For sure. The rosary is, yeah, definitely um, from that confession. Um, it's been just a huge part of my life. And then um, just reading about Our Lady, different Marian apparitions across the, the, the years, too, um, as I grew up, too, and just falling more in love with Our Lady and just really feeling I have a, a call to tell people about Our Lord in the Eucharist and Our, and our Lady. And so um, the mission of the band, it's real simple, it's Rosary Eucharist Church. Right. We are here to promote the Rosary, the Eucharist, and the Catholic Church. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's what the thirsting is all about. That's what I'm all about when I'm out on the road, when I'm doing music. I want to promote those three things. Right. How do you... Um, do, what do you say to people that maybe challenge you and say, well, how you, how can you inspire young people to follow Jesus Christ through Mary, the, the Rosary, the Eucharist, and the, you know, and the Catholic Church using rock music? Oh, well, the music is a tool, it's an avenue um, to get the message across. It's, it's a way to meet people where they are at. Mm-hmm. So once you can meet people where they are at, you know, we all like different things that speak to us. And so just to those that speak, you know, like rock music, um, then then you take them the next, the, to the next step further. Right. You know, with the Catholic lyrics, you know, people are listening to music nonstop these days. Yes. So... If you can have a Catholic lyric going into your head nonstop, that's just basic. You know, they can have words of the devil going into their head nonstop through secular music, right? Or they can have words of of a Catholic musician in the Catholic Church and you know going through their head. So that's just like a basic level of using music as a tool. And yeah. then when when I do my concerts and stuff, then I really can evangelize and tell people about the church and absolutely in, in my talks and stuff. Absolutely. Where do you get the name the thirsting? What does that refer to? Well, it it came, um, originally we were Thirst, and then there was another uh-huh. band that we found out called Thirst, and and then we came up with the idea of the thirsting, mm-hmm. and it, it kind of spawns from Mother Teresa, I had a devotion yes. to her uh, in my... I, I was going to ask you about that, yeah, I Thirst. Yeah, I Thirst, yeah, that's our Lord, it's, and it's real awesome with the thirsting, it's, it's like God is thirsting for us, and we are thirsting for Him, mm-hmm. so we're, we're all the thirsting. Yeah, no, and that's a crazy idea that God is thirsting for us, but uh, but I love it. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so you, this is your second album that we've been listening to, Universal Youth. Why? I know you were at World Youth Day, and I'm, of course I think Universal Youth, I think World Youth Day. Actually, by the way, how was that experience you were in Krakow? Um, oh, it was great. We were very blessed. We got to play on the main stage. Yeah, on Bonya Park. Park, yeah. Was it yeah. was it your first World Youth Day? It was, actually. Yeah, what yeah. a great opportunity. Yeah, we were there. I wasn't at Buena Park, but we were there. Um, um, I think Universal Youth. I think of something like World Youth Day. Is that sort of what the the name refers to, or what's what was your hope with that album, Universal Youth? You know, my hope with that album, Universal. Obviously, Catholic means universal. Yeah. So I wanted to play on that wording so that um, Catholics would hopefully get it and go, "Oh, Catholic youth. That's what he means." Uh, and for non-Catholics, would go, uh, "What is this?" You know not be not be taken aback by it and but you know not not to say oh this is religious music and throw it out the door but say well okay universal youth that doesn't say anything so it's kind of i was trying to play both sides and i so see our song universal youth yes it's really you know some of the lyrics are like it says universal revolution i mean i'm basically saying catholic revolution yeah i get it good yeah no that's a good uh stealth way to get to get to get it in there um uh, I know that you're working on a new album. I don't know how much you can tell me, but I'm hoping that uh, when it comes out, you let us know so we can uh, have an excuse to have you back on the program. 
Yeah, the best way, this is for for you and, and for everyone, is what you want to do right now is just, you can get on my mailing list and I'll give you universal youth for free to anyone listening right now. Is if you text the yes. word Catholic to 31996, that's Catholic to 31996, you'll, you'll get a little message back that's going to ask for your email. And when you put your email address in there, um, I'll email you a full album, Universal Youth, that full album. And then okay. um, uh, that'll keep us in touch, too. And, and then once I finish the, the, the our next album, which I'm working on right now, I, it's, it's either going to be done this fall or, or at least by January. Um, we'll do a release date somewhere. We'll do a pre-release and all that kind of stuff. Either right. this fall or somewhere around Christmas time. Okay, so that's a good... We'll that's, have a new album released. That, that's good. That was very... Very clever of you to get. I was going to tell people about you know texting uh, to three one nine nine six a little later, but that's good. So if people want to find out more about the band, uh, to get on their mailing list and find out more about the new album, and at the same time get a free download of the album Universal Youth, um, it's very easy. You text the word Catholic to three one nine nine six three one nine nine six i'm actually going to put that on our website as well so in case people can't remember three one nine nine six text it right now text the word catholic um and you're going to get uh on the mailing list and you'll get the whole album so that's a great offer thank you daniel that's a good place to to end um but i i have a feeling that we'll uh, get be talking again uh soon Thank you for oh, what wonderful. you do. Well, thanks so much for having me. And uh, yeah, anytime. We'll definitely when we get that when we get that new album out, we'll great. We'll get together too. Yes. Okay. God bless. Okay. God bless you. That was Daniel Oberreuter, lead singer for the band The Thirsting. You can find out more about them, book them for your event, and purchase their music at their website, thethirstingcatholic.com. And of course, I'm going to say again: if you text the word Catholic to three one nine nine six. You can get a free copy of that album. Here now is The Thirsting with Stepping Into the Day from their new album, Universal Youth. We're listening to The Thirsting with Stepping Into the Day from their album, Universal Youth. And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. You can learn all about Salt and Light at our website, saltandlighttv.org. And when you're there, visit our show page, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. You can also download this podcast off iTunes. If you have any questions or comments or just to say hello, reach out to me through Facebook or Twitter. Thank you for listening to this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro.
to the dance.